Welcome to this special episode of Play No Evil. This is Matt. That's Zach. Fuck Zach. Today we're going to be talking about The Man in Maidan, which is a, t- a video game by Supermassive Games about a group of vacationers who, after their scuba diving trip goes horribly wrong and are boarded by pirates, they crash upon a hapless, giant, ex-military abandoned boat. From there, a mysterious entity force or in reality, gas causes them to start hallucinating and to have terrible, terrible visages of the other crewmates that they were experiencing on the vacation trip, the pirates that had boarded them, and themselves. Ooh. So it's a nice little harrowing tale of survival. Zach. Spooky games. Spooky games. Good. Um, yeah, this it, one. Sorry. So scary. <laughs> Matt gets way more afraid of spooky games than spooky movies. Because, like, okay, so here's the thing. What was the episodes that we did for the last Plano Evil, right? We did Among Us. Not that bad. We did did Left 4 Dead. Not that bad. We did Little Nightmares. Not that bad. And Inside. And Inside. Not that bad. So we we did a couple of 2D games, and then we had one game... That just is sort of expected, right? We've played it enough times that we know how it's going. Also, to go. like, yeah, Left 4 Dead's like hordes of zombies. That's like the thing, right? It's like mm-hmm. that. That is the plot of the game. Whereas, yes. like, this is you. You don't really know what to expect in this because it's not like hordes of zombies being like the main thing, or like the spooky things that pop out being like the main thing. The main thing is you survive on this ghost ship. That is that is the goal. And there there's a difference. When you're mowing down hordes of zombies, it doesn't feel as impactful as this game did. And really a lot of games. It's, it's why I say that like horror games really get me together because when they happen, the role as an audience member for me switches from being passive just viewing to active and then when i become an active participant i'm so engaged and energized towards the story that Mm -hmm. it makes it so much scarier because to to be fair there weren't a whole lot of jump scares in this game but there were enough that when they happened it really it really hit they hit hard And, and there is this thing in the horror genre of video games specifically where they put you into seemingly realistic situations. Like in this game, you don't really have any tools at your disposal besides like... The choices you make. Any, you don't yeah, have it's any really tools. just the choices in this one. But in other horror video games, it's like you get a flashlight or like a lighter or something. And then you, you're pretty much otherwise at your own devices. It's not like other video games, like action video games where you get a gun or like, you know, some kind of weapon to defend yourself. And that's, I think it heightens the, the fear of it. Right. And that's what makes left for De- things, something like left for dead. Like, yeah, it's, all, it's also more predictable and like formula driven, but it's also like you have a way to defend yourself and you have a way to 
uh, eliminate the fear or the the threat. In this, you don't really know what to expect. Like, yeah, the no. characters sometimes pick up a knife or whatever to defend themselves, but like, it's also like you said, you're not really sure if you're choosing to stab this ghostly figure. You're not sure what the outcome of it is really going to be. The idea of this being seemingly supernatural, and it turns out that ultimately it's not supernatural; it's biochemical, makes a big difference too. Mm-hmm. I think, and I've always said that ghost movies get me more than like the slasher genre does because with most ghost movies there's really nothing that you can do in the events you really nailed it with saying like you have a means to defend yourself and in this game because it is so story driven not only do you not have a means of defending yourself you have to be considerate of whether or not defending yourself is going to get you killed <laughs> right or someone else some one of the other characters killed or kill one of the other characters and it's nice that this game when it, one of the things that i think this game does well and what good successful horror movies do well is there are more than one threat in this it starts off with the pirates that board their ship and then that parlays into this more globalized horror of the weird monsters that are really just creations of the manchurian gold which is this fog that is uh biochemically altering how they think it's making them hallucinate Uh, each other Mm -hmm. as terrors and it caused the original downfall of the ship so it it really gives you tears of reality because you can kind of figure out about halfway into the game right Mm -hmm. or at the at the point at which you figure out that the mist is the thing that's causing all of the spooky scary deformed monsters that's when it switches into making the threat of the pirates even more real because that's when you then have to deal with Olsen, one of the, the lead pirates that ambushed the boat as well. You have to deal with his men starting at that point. And we also get to see sort of the couplet effect where not only are we having to deal with them, we're having to deal with them while they are dealing with the Manchurian gold themselves, right. which makes them even more frightening because there's less of an ability to actually reason with them. Right, and they're like kind of displayed as as these dangerous figures to begin with, being pirates, but also, you know, now they're unpredictable because they're hallucinating. So it's, you know, heightening that fear even more as it's realistic fear of the pirates, but then now they're hallucinating and they think that maybe you're a scary monster or in Junior's case towards the end, he thinks that he's turning into a monster and that he has to like take himself out. So yeah, I I also want to mention the Manchurian Gold like, kind of was is an interesting thing until it was discovered to be the gas and like it being a legend is like super cool and then it's like okay it's it's the gas and then like nothing more is really said about it i feel like they could have added kind of one other layer of like how it became the legend you know like how did they hear about it in the first place it's not like this ghost ship was public knowledge because they're all very surprised about it so it's like a little confusing as to how that originated you know yeah absolutely and i do think that that has something to do with one of the faults of the game the the plot makes enough sense to sort of hold itself together it's but very it does bare bones have it does have gaps and i think the the reason for it being so bare bones is because there really are a lot of options that you can go one of the tenets of this game and a lot of the supermassive games actually is that the choices that you make in world as they're happening matter if you make a choice early in the game 
it can cause your character to die later. So when you're doing the scuba diving, uh, there is a moment where you're under the water and they're rising to the surface and explosion happens on the boat. And then there is a moment where they're talking and they have to decompress as they go up. Otherwise they'll get sick. That actually has a choice in the game. If you choose to not let them decompress for the full time, no matter what, Julia will die. Mm-hmm. and you won't be able to stop it. Uh, no other choice matters. And it's stuff like that. Like, it happens really early, but it comes back to bite you, like, at any point along the story. It would take many, many hours to play through all the possible timelines, given each yeah. individual different choice that you can make. Like, it's it's got to be, like, thousands of different actual routes that you can take. The, the number of routes that actually make a difference, I think there's only 16 different ones that, like, actually make a difference in the end. <laughs> I say only 16, but imagine playing through this game 16 times just to mm-hmm. see the different endings. Like, it's, it's a lot. Like, the replayability of it, then, is also very great because it doesn't take all that long to get through, right? It's just no. this kind of narrative. It's it almost takes like... four and a half hours. Yeah, it's like a really long horror movie. And honestly, it could be shorter. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, like, yeah, you're like, man, is this it? Honestly, like, second playthrough, you would make the choices a lot faster. You would move around on the ship a lot faster. You'd explore a lot faster. So I think that it, you could you could probably get through it in, like, two, two and a half hours pretty easily. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the choices, like, the, and that's kind of the, the tenet of the kind of shtick of the, the Dark Pictures series, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there are all these horror games based off choices. And I think it's a really cool thing to do in the horror genre specifically because how often have we watched horror movies and been like, the main character does something and then we go, I would never do that. I, w- I would do this instead. Or, you know, why, why don't they do this at a certain point in the movie? And I think this series takes that idea and allows you to participate in that way it's really interesting that you actually make choices that matter and it's also one of those things where it kind of teaches you to read people Mm -hmm. one of the things that i like about this is they put so much effort and time into actually curating the characters emotional states their individual personalities and how those personalities progress throughout the duration of the story So if you make a choice early on, it can lead to your character becoming more aggressive. It can be leading to them being more submissive, uh, them to being more honest or more comical, playful, lying, mean, rude. And in creating those alternate choices, they then impact important story moments. The first character when we played that like hit me that I felt like really upset about was Julia's death. Conrad died and we were all like, yeah, that that, that tracks. <laughs> that tracks. But then when Julia died, what happened was I had chosen Brad and I had chosen Julia to go down. They run into Junior who has a gun and who has started talking about the mist. I played the scene in a way that had Brad trying to pretend that the mist wasn't real, that it was all a figment of Junior's imagination. So he was like, what mist, dude? And instead of that leading to a positive result, it actually led to Julia being shot. Which was surprising. 
which was really surprising. But it makes sense because Brad's character is honest. And if we had looked at his character sheet before that moment, it has honesty in it. And so if you played Brad honest and was just like, yeah, we know about the mist, but we're okay. It leads to a positive result. And so the second time uh, that I went through this, when I did that, when I got to that section, I was able to make the choice of being honest with Junior so that he didn't kill Julia. Well, that's probably, you know, when you were streaming this, where Conrad died, it was where he was hallucinating Fliss to be this kind of like demon ghoul thing that was chasing him. But I would guess he was more confrontational. Where he died in your playthrough was you can either confront the ghoul or he can jump and try to get away. And you chose jump and then he falls to his death. Given his character confront may have made more sense if, you know, he, he had stuck it to... It absolutely would have, because that would have been was. within his character arc. Right. But, yeah, it's just interesting how, like, that... It, they're almost like hints, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes both options or all options really seem like they make sense, or maybe the, the one that actually is the correct answer doesn't seem to make as much sense. But if you know the characters and you, you know, you're checking in on their attributes and their, you know, their relationships with the other characters, then, you know, it could make a little more sense and you can get a pretty clean run through of your first try anyways. Of course, once you run through it the first time, then it's like, okay, you have some pretty educated guesses as to like what the correct answer to certain situations is. Yeah, the one that I was really proud about was the one at the very end where it's Alex facing off against the two-headed monster and he's got the knife. His options are to stab the monster or stab himself. However, there is a third option, which is to let the timer run out. (laughs) Abstain. (laughs) Yeah, to abstain from it. And at that point, you kind of understand that there is a hallucinatory aspect to it. And I thought it was just like, If this is all a hallucination, then this could very well be one of the other characters. So I chose to do nothing, and that ended up being the correct choice. Because if you had stabbed the creature, it would have killed Fliss. And if you had stabbed yourself, you would have died, obviously. (laughs) Right. Well, I I mean, I guess you should explain his what is stabbed himself, because he was hallucinating this rat kind of like coming out of his bowels. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and so it does... It does teach you how to do it. So what's kind of interesting about this is that there is a split in the game between rationality and impulse control. Mm -hmm. And this game is built on impulse control, which makes some of the quick time moments hard Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of them. And I am notoriously bad at quick time moments. Well, I'm just saying like the quick time events, like they kind of train you into acting fast and making fast decisions by the time you get the more action-based things, like the, the moment we're talking about where you're playing as Alex and you can either stab the creature or yourself, and it's like, oh, I have to I have to decide fast, you know, instead of letting the timer run out. So it's almost like trying to trick you in that way, which is, is kind of neat. Makes you think more. So while the story is good, the gameplay. Yeah, so... The controls are so clunky. <laughs> <laughs> so let it be known to the listeners that like I I haven't actually played the game I just watched Matt play it so I don't I can't speak on, to any of the the controls or you know the actual gameplay aspects but yeah that was something that you were complaining about quite a bit with it being tank controls yeah it was it was tank controls which I, I don't necessarily think are a bad thing it's just that the range of motion felt really weird. I think part of that might have been because I was playing on a computer. You're playing keyboard and mouse, right? 
keyboard and mouse, which does force you to sort of make adjustments. Yeah. Probably it would have been easier, better, felt a little smoother if I had played it on an Xbox controller, but that's, you know, it is what it is. I played (laughs) it on a keyboard and mouse. It was really clunky to be able to do a lot of the motions. It also... The very beginning is a is does not let you play a whole lot. And actually that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I kept saying at the beginning when we were listening to them all on the boat. They were on the boat and they were talking for so long about and nothing was, of real consequence. Too. About nothing of real consequence. It was just doing the character building <laughs> and I was yeah. sitting at the computer going, "Let me play." <laughs> I've launched a game. I want to play it. Let me make the choices. <laughs> So it's like that that beginning is long. I think that a lot of the stuff on the boat does build character and it gives you a lot of reasons to start caring about these characters before horrible things happen to them. But it's just too much. Yeah. It's so much. Like I said, it, it at times it does feel like it's more of a horror movie than a game. But then things move really quickly towards the middle and the end so it's yeah. like you know there there are times when it's just like exposition dump and then there are times when it's like quick time event quick time event quick time event you know make a decision quick but like quick time events i always feel like when they're in games it's like how much are you really participating you know right yeah it's like okay now i'm gonna mash this button and oh look my character did something that they easily could have done in a cutscene instead so right it's almost like the developers are like you know they haven't pressed a button in a while <laughs> Well, I I think, too, you know, they were really riding off of the success of Until Dawn. Yeah. Until Dawn was one of their first games, and it is so insanely good. It's incredible. We'll have to play that at some point because that's that's like completely co-op right uh they're all they're all technically co-op well yeah i, I know with these so the dark pictures man and Medan, little hope and the newer one house of ashes like you can get i didn't know this until i started looking up today but um you can actually get like a copy of it and then like a free like friend copy to like yep. so that you can play it co-op without having to buy two copies of the game which is super cool i have since downloaded a free trial of little hope so oh maybe i will buy that and uh we'll play that i i have i have it you have it yeah i have little hope send me the code then (laughs) i will have to i'll have to do i'll download it that one looks really cool the house of ashes looks less cool to me what what i really like too is these games are pretty self-contained i watch a lot of video game content on youtube and such and this game i have seen a lot of people start to play i've never seen anyone finish it i've i've never seen people really get past the the boat scene at the very beginning which i think is sort of an indicator of a problem mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's really not that entertaining to watch but it's it's a lot more engaging when you actually get to play it so i was i was pretty stoked when i got to actually see how it played out because I, I went into it really blind. Like, I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. I And I think that's also, like, since we're talking about horror games as a genre, that's also something that's a little too present in the genre, I think, is, like, just these exposition dumps at a time. Or it's like, okay, just let me play. And there are some horror games out there that are, like, so brutally difficult 
because yes. they don't you're you're working through the plot in a very like it, you have like your your character is being pulled in like multiple directions at a time and then they have these where it's like the game almost like plays itself at some points something i don't know what i'm thinking of being like kind of the opposite of this is alien isolation i don't know if yes. you played have you played alien isolation nope but i've watched you Okay. Yeah, and it's like you pretty much have control the whole time. There are not that many cutscenes, um, and they're pretty brief where they where they do occur. But a lot of the exposition is done through exploring and your character's actions. You know, and you discover storytelling. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for those who don't feel like reading in your video game or don't feel like you know discovering every little thing to complete the story, then you don't have to, you know? You don't have yes. to sit there and go, let me play. You can just be like, okay, that's a thing I don't really feel like reading right now. Like, if I really wanted to, I can go back and read it later because it's in my character's inventory now. It's nice that we've, we've kind of had like an interesting progression in horror games overall because we went through, if you take a look at like Silent Hill, very, very minimal combat, but you do engage in combat, but it's super, super minim minimal. It's a lot more about the puzzle solving and the exploring of the world at large. We, we and, didn't do Silent Hill. I know, I'm just saying, oh. it's like in, in general, <laughs> Silent Hill is like this. Uh, but then we, we sort of started to move towards horror games that took the combat and really started to develop the combat system. So I'm thinking like early 2000s, The Suffering, where like everything you're doing, it revolves around the, the violence and the fighting. And then we hit this point where Outlast came out. And, and I've talked to you about Outlast before. There's no fighting back. It's just running and just hiding. And it's just about actually surviving the game that way. And it really revolutionized the horror landscape because Alien Isolation would not exist in the way that it does without Outlast having happened first. Right, because like, how do you it, fight an alien? <laughs> exactly, and it's interesting to me to then sort of see how this game took the concept of survival and Outlast and flipped it a little bit with like Until Dawn is the same as well, where now not only is it a linear story progression, but it is a, it is a linear progression that has branching paths. Outlast is very one directional. Mm -hmm. If you, if you play through the game, you're, you're going to end up with the same ending and, and this game is not, and it's not meant to be that way. And I, I really like how that was sort of the the progression with a lot of these systems is mm -hmm. how do we create a horror game experience that isn't just a a hack and slash beat em up a la left for dead right yeah i have you played either of the sequels to this man in me Den? no i've only played until dawn okay i would be interested to see if they kind of like learned from this and like made it a little bit more, a little more engaging. Yeah. At, at least, you know, in the beginning and just left more up to exploration rather than just kind of like hacking your way through the dialogue, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That being said, I did <laughs> watch a compilation of like all the different deaths today mm -hmm. and just to see like the different deaths of characters. And it looks like there's, I don't know if you're familiar with this either, but it looks like there's a lot of overlap where like you can put a good chunk of the characters 
into the same situations and a lot of them can yes. die in the same ways. Like yeah. you mentioned earlier, like Julia basically getting the bends and dying from that. Like she's the only one that can happen to, but then there's like the gate where you're like fighting with Olsen and you know, that you have to like kind of drop this. I think it's like almost like a ballast gate uh, in the ship. Yeah. And Basically, anyone can get cut in half by that gate. <laughs> Any yes. one of the characters plus Olsen, which is really interesting. I didn't even. I don't even remember getting to that effective. section. I think that you. So you. I think you had a pretty clean original run through of this yeah, be, because a lot of the things that I saw like were never even things that came up. So I think that you avoided a lot of perilous situations <laughs> that come yeah. up like that. I also discovered that you can get out with Junior too. Like, even though Junior's not a playable character, uh, he can a- actually survive and escape with you. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I, I don't know how, because there is that that really tense moment we talked about with, you know, where the you showdown. Julia, but I think there's a way that you can navigate that dialogue in a way where he ends up okay. Yeah, well, that's that's like a big turning point, too, because in that section, the way that the choice is Alex and Brad have a, a back to back and forth about who's going to go. And mm-hmm. then Julia and Fliss have a back and forth about who's going to go. So you could have Brad and Fliss, Alex, any, Julia, you can have pretty much any combination. <laughs> right. The thing is, I know because I tested this one. If you go down there with Alex and Julia Alex gets shot instead of Julia. Right. And then you switch to to her. There's also an ending where everyone dies. Did you know about that? Yes. Yeah, so there's you go to the radio tower and you, you did that originally, right? Where the helicopter yes. comes to save you instead of you having to like drive the boat away. Yes. And you know, there's this whole thing over the distributed cap for the boat like you need that to escape or you need to go to the radio tower. Or you can do both and you get just saved by the the helicopter anyways. But if you're not informative enough about how you answer like the radio operators questions they will come at the end and it's like oh you're saved but then they point guns at you and, and shoot you all <laughs> and it's not a happy ending if you do that so it's like if you answer or if you go to the radio tower and you like actually get it to work then you have to be really careful about how you answer those questions that's also like a really cool thing that there's like a dark ending <laughs> yeah right? yeah uh and because it's a, it's a dark game and, you know, it's it's not like, you know, I think the movie equivalent would be like the original cut of Paranormal Activity where there were three different endings, right? Mm-hmm. In this, there's a reason why you're led to that ending. If you really mess up that bad, then <laughs> it's like, okay, I need to yeah. go back and like replay this and see like a different ending. Or you're like, wow, it's a really depressing game. I'm never going to pick that up again. <laughs> yeah, I, I and I like games like this, too, where they have a lot of those options available, because I think that especially with how short this game is, you do kind of want to play it in as few in as few sittings as possible because mm-hmm. there's not really a level. It's like it's almost engineered to be played through like one time. Like I said, like a- after you play through it the first time, it's like you kind of have an idea of what answering in certain ways is going to lead to so it's like it's you know people always say if i could erase my memory of this one game and like just relive my first experience with this game again like that would be great and i think this one is like yeah you really you can't play this for the first time again like there's just there's nothing like that first experience even though this does offer much more replayability in that aspect it's just 
like you you can't have that same feeling and that experience a yeah. second time around or a third time around or a fourth time around. Thank you everyone for listening to this special episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And remember, if you die in the game, you die for real. Mm-hmm.